Hi, I'm Sean Stanley, head of the Globe Content Studio at the Globe and Mail. I'm also host of a new podcast called Industry Interrupted. We're looking at how traditional business sectors are being disrupted. From law to agriculture to finance, what's forcing change in these industries? And what does it mean for the Canadian economy and you as a consumer? Find the latest episodes of Industry Interrupted on your favourite podcast platform. Welcome to The Risk Takers, a podcast about small business by The Globe and Mail. I'm Sarah Efron, and over the coming weeks, we're bringing you stories of entrepreneurs who risked everything for their businesses. Today's show is about entrepreneurs who are literally married to their business, married co-founders. What is it really like to run a company with your spouse? We'll hear from Caitlin and Neil McGregor on growing their tech startup beyond a mom and pop shop. But first, Shabnam and Frank Weber face tough decisions when the personal and professional collide at their tea company. In the late 90s, opening a specialty tea shop in Toronto didn't make sense to many people. Everybody thought we were crazy. People looked at us and said, no, really, what else are you going to sell? You can't possibly only be selling tea. But it made perfect sense to Shabnam and Frank Weber. They'd both grown up around tea and had seen the proliferation of tea shops in Europe. And besides, married entrepreneurship was nothing new to them. The couple had already opened a restaurant in Germany, so they pushed through the doubt together. It was two of us, you know, telling each other, no, no, we are right and they are all wrong. So that certainly helped. We just really believed that this was going to work. So, you know, in 2000, we opened the first tea shop. Very much like what you see today, the David's Teas and the Tivanas and so forth. We, we kind of pioneered this uh, together a little bit, and then all of a sudden, fast forward 10 years, now these type of tea shops are everywhere. But opening that first shop wasn't quite so easy. Shabnam and Frank had been living abroad for years before returning to Canada to start the Tea Emporium. This meant they didn't have a Canadian credit history. And uh, no credit means bad credit. They couldn't get a line of credit or even a credit card, so they had to be extra careful with their cash flow. I was obsessive. I was absolutely obsessive in monitoring the bank account 24-7. And that meant that I had to have enough money in the account at any given time during the month to be able to pay all of my bills plus rent, even if we didn't make another penny from that day on. Nothing could go wrong. It wasn't an option. We started small, bit by bit. We did a lot ourselves. Built the shelving and the counters and wire the lightings and, and do all kinds of things to, to save some money to actually make it happen. And that's how we kind of operated all the stores. And, you know, we went to six stores at some point. We needed to be careful. We wanted this to succeed. And they used another time-tested strategy for consistent cash flow. Frank got a job. It was frugal that one of us would find a job. So we didn't have the stress of how are we going to pay our rent? How are we going to eat? Um, you know, at least we had some income coming in from a different source. So it wasn't the same kind of pressure put onto the business. I spent weekends in the stores and in every minute that I had and, and obviously evenings and we strategized together. And then at some point, I think about a year later, it became time to, to move forward to the next level and to go from one stores to multiple stores. And that's when I devoted all my time to it. And as the business got busier and busier, Shabnam and Frank took it in stride. We worked well together. There was a very clear picture of what I was good at and what he was good at. And we were fortunate in that those two things didn't clash with each other. So we complemented each other in a really nice way. 
your communication is, is perhaps a lot better than if you are with, with a business partner that is purely in there for business. I thought we were a good team. We always worked well together with different types of skill set that worked well together in the business. And that made it easy, really, really easy to work together. But one big drawback to sharing your work and your life with the same person is that the line between those worlds can get blurry. There's no work-life balance. Um, and uh, part of that is just the nature of being self-employed because you're always working. You take your work home and you do talk about it for 24 hours a day. It's an easy thing to fall into, to just continuously be working. Frank and Shabnam's hard work paid off, though, and their tea empire grew. But at some point, things shifted for the couple. The business was doing well, but the marriage was not. Things happened, unfortunately, in our personal life. We decided to part ways. Shabnam and Frank separated and eventually divorced. Shabnam says they didn't split up because of the business, but that is hard to tell cause from effect since the business was so consuming. But even with that difficult personal decision behind them, their work lives were as intertwined as ever. We were quite good in, in, in still working together at the beginning in the business, but that gets harder and harder because you don't necessarily share all the common goals anymore. Or you're maybe not as willing to, to compromise on, on some, some issues. So we did it for quite some time. I think we did it for about a year and a half that we still operated the business together. And despite facing the end of their marriage and the new challenge of working with an ex, Shabnam and Frank kept up appearances and didn't tell their staff. We don't have children, so, you know, some people try to do things in the best way possible for the sake of the children. We did things in the best way possible for the sake of the business. So having staff that work for you is, um, you have a responsibility. You have a responsibility every single day to all of these people that are working for you. And that responsibility is providing them with employment and, and paychecks and, and all the rest of that. But it's also providing security and stability. And we both felt that uh, we couldn't provide that security and stability if they felt that we weren't secure and stable. So we were very, very, very careful for almost a full year after we had actually physically separated to make sure that our staff knew nothing about it. Finally, after two years of running the business together, but apart, Frank and Shabnam decided it was time to split up the business too. The business was stagnating because we weren't communicating well with each other anymore. So it was time to make a decision. Um, and uh, it turned out that, uh, that I was the one who, uh, who, who bought him out of the business. Shabnam's cousin was able to finance her buyout, but it wasn't easy. Determining a valuation when selling your business is always tough. So imagine doing it with your ex. It was like going through a second divorce. Um, and one was bad enough. I wouldn't wish two on anybody. It was difficult. It was emotional. And uh, it was far, far, far more taxing than the personal one was. This was our last tie. This was our last connection. It was difficult to look at it in an unemotional purely financial business way because there was this emotional portion that was still intertwined into it. Following the buyout, Frank waited out an eight-month non-compete clause, then got back into the tea business. His new company, Tea Squared, supplies premium loose-leaf tea to stores like Sobeys, Whole Foods, and Metro. 
As for Shabnam, she rebranded the Tea Emporium with a new logo, new packaging, fresh paint on the walls, and herself as the sole face of the company. She's also recently started the Academy of Tea, an online certification program for tea sommeliers. And despite everything, she says she'd even consider mixing business and romance again. I would, because there were a lot of good things. Your personal interests are 100% aligned, and therefore your business interests are 100% aligned. You can't get that in the same way, that same locked commitment with somebody who you're not personally connected with. I know that sounds crazy, but I would do it with agreements in place, just as you would with any business partner. Most of us do not go into a marriage with a prenuptial agreement, but essentially that's what a shareholder's agreement is. A shareholder's agreement is a prenup. And the reality is that if that relationship falls apart, it's not just a relationship. Your livelihood is potentially being affected as well. And that's big. Tea shops have become all the rage in Canada over the past 15 years, thanks in part to Shabnam and Frank's efforts. That same time period has seen the meteoric rise of tech startups around the world. So what happens when a married couple enters the hard-hitting world of dot-com finance? Caitlin and Neil McGregor started dating in university and got married three years later. After working at an educational software company with Neil on the product side and Caitlin in management, they decided to strike out on their own. Neil comes home from work one day being like, I've got the idea. You know, we've been hiring using psychometric assessments for the last two and a half years. I think that we can turn this into a software as a service application. And uh, I was like, okay. There's a certain romance to the humble origins of many tech startups. The garage, the basement, the college dorm. A low overhead space to work out the kinks before you start making money. For Caitlin and Neil McGregor, that space was mom's house. We moved in with my mom to my brother's old bedroom with a mattress on the floor and our seven-month-old on a mattress beside us. These are the origins of Caitlin and Neil's Kitchener-based software company, Plum. Their assessment tool helps match job candidates with employers. You know, in the UK, they say Plum job or Plum candidate. It's, it's positive. It's a good thing. It's good enough for Apple and Blackberry and Tangerine and Sage... Well, then somebody eventually is going to name a company Plum, and it might as well be us. And like those other produce-inspired companies, Plum is built to scale. So in the early days, Caitlin and Neil pitched a lot of investors and advisors. We were four people at the beginning. The fact that two out of four of us were married was always something that came up kind of right off the bat. And most of the comments would be like, oh, wow, I don't think I could work with my wife. It's a unique challenge for married founders. How do you deal with all the preconceptions about how your relationship might affect the business? What they were worried about was that if I talked to somebody, then went away and talked to Neil, would my opinion change? You know, was he pulling the strings in the background? So it's all about staging it properly. It's all about controlling the bias that you know is coming on the other side. So we had to almost put Neil in in the shadows so that it didn't draw attention to the fact that we were husband and wife, which kudos for him for being able to be like, okay, even though I'm a founder, I'm going to take a back seat. At the time, Neil was actually the more experienced public speaker, but Caitlin's business experience meant she was the only logical choice for CEO. 
in the very, very early days, the natural assumption was that I would be doing the pitching. Caitlin could be the CEO, but I have more public speaking experience. So Caitlin will do the pitching. And it was, it was a lesson that somebody had to come back and tell us, no, she's the CEO. They, they, they just want to hear from the CEO. So Caitlin, you're going to have to learn. And it was a shock to both of us. It was one where I was like, okay, well, my, that skill set is something that I'm going to have to put on the back burner. And it's going to be something that Caitlin's going to have to learn and, and spend some time uh, really developing. And she's gotten like much better than I ever was. The company raised $600,000 from angel investors. But as Caitlin moved on to pitching funds and private equity groups, they faced a new challenge, pitching while pregnant. So two and a half years into the business, we decide we want to have our second kid so that our kids aren't more than four years apart. And now I'm curvier, so I didn't have to tell people that I was pregnant right away. I, I was able to get to at least the five-month mark before I really had to talk about it. And, you know, I remember even going in and shaking hands with somebody and sitting down immediately. And then when we were all done, kind of standing up and then realizing that there had been a bump underneath the table the whole time. And as much as Caitlin tried to hide her pregnancy and carry on normally, it was hard not to wonder if it was affecting the pitching outcomes. It was hard to be fundraising pregnant. It was hard to be getting one no after another. But I was getting a lot of no's. And it was getting scary because we weren't going to have a lot of money left over once our son was born. So, you know, it was scary. And so we kind of said, you know, is one of the reasons why I'm getting no is because I'm a female. Is it because I'm pregnant? Is it because of these things? And we talked about it. Like, should we kind of, you know, have Neil go out and start pounding the pavement? It'd be interesting to see if he would have got some yeses. Caitlin got those yeses in the end, though. Two months after their son was born, Caitlin attended the 43 North Startup Competition, joined by Neil this time. And we won a quarter million dollars U.S. Our uh, youngest, he was two months old. And so Neil was... And still nursing. I was still nursing. You can't leave him at home. Yeah. He's too young. With our first, I wasn't able to successfully breastfeed very well. And I was determined with our second that it was going to be successful. So for four months while I was fundraising, Neil was with me everywhere. Every time I'd be with the baby and then I'd go into pitch and Neil would take over. And so, you know, Neil was very, very, very patient with the fact that not only had he first have to be in the shadows at the beginning because we couldn't talk about us being married, but then he also has to carry around this newborn everywhere for four months. And I like just like so amazing because in the end we raised another 700,000. So our total amount of fundraising was $1.4 million. And we did that because Neil was able to come around and make, let me fundraise for, you know, the four months after our son was born to make the fundraising happen. And now, with a successful round of fundraising under their belts, Caitlin and Neil have their work cut out for them, growing plum, raising the kids, and nurturing their relationship. You need to get out and have some time that's designated for the health of you being a couple. And so date nights are incredibly important. But what we found was without something to actually occupy our minds, we just make it like a business dinner and we just spend all of our time talking about business. So something we started doing in the last six months is we started going to board game cafes because if it's a good enough, hard enough board game that's complicated enough that we have to learn all the rules, we can't possibly talk about business at the same time, which has actually been a really, a really good coping strategy that we've really enjoyed. It also has helped us to start trying to find something um, that is, is just purely about us and our relationship. 
It's been really good. And as much as mixing the personal and professional sides has created challenges, in the end, Neil and Caitlin believe both sides are stronger for it. What I don't think that everyone understands really is that idea that we have so much more in our lives and the business has so much more of us and we are able to be so much more successful people because we're not doing it alone. We made the business support our marriage and our marriage support the business. And we found the right synergy to make the two of those work. And um, it's not surprising to me that other people can't do it. It's hard. It's, it, it is its own effort. But um, we make so much more out of both of our marriage and the business than I think we could any other way. That's all for the risk takers married to the business. Thanks to Caitlin and Neil McGregor at Plum, Shabnam Weber of the Tea Emporium, and Frank Weber of T Squared for sharing their stories. The Risk Takers is produced by J.P. Davidson and myself, Sarah Efron. The music by Prince Innocence. Thanks this week to Emily Schooley of Laughing Cat Creative and Ellie Gordon Marshall for their recording and interviewing help. Looking for another great listen? Try Color Code, a podcast about race in Canada from the Globe and Mail. They even have an episode looking at small business and race. Have you ever wondered why every small town has a Chinese restaurant? Find out by listening at tgam.ca slash color code or in your favorite podcast app. For more risk takers, subscribe wherever you download podcasts. And if you like the show, tell a friend or review us on iTunes, Stitcher or Google Play Music. Thanks for listening. I'll be back with more risk takers next week. To discuss this episode on Twitter, use the hashtag TheRiskTakers. Takers.